Top 10 shortstops, folks. Jack, Peter, just baseball show on Tuesday, February 21st. We did second base. That's fun. Shortstops is better. I'd say, um, you know, you were texting in our group text earlier today, and you said, well, Jack thinks third base is the best position in baseball. Shortstop is so stupidly loaded, though, because the honorable mentions feel like top 100 players in baseball right top 80 top 100 players in baseball at third that's not really the case i think there's more top heavy talent at third base but shortstop regardless we're in a really good era of baseball the shortstop position such a good era of shortstops and a lot of these guys are really young like you will find guys below the age of 25 within our top 10 you'll find guys that are over the age of 30 in our top 10. And the reason I said that shortstop could possibly be a better position right now than third base is because you're right. The third base position one through six is about as loaded as any position in baseball. And those six are arguably top 30 players in major league baseball. At least that's right. where I ranked them on my top 100, which is live on just baseball.com. But this shortstop position has that same feel one through six. Like when I go through our top 10, one through six, you know, you can make an argument for any of these guys at any spot, but I think the six shortstops are easily just incredible and some of the best players in baseball. But I think what separates third base and shortstop is seven through 10, seven through the honorable mentions yeah, is better than seven through 10, seven through honorable mentions for third base. That's why I said, I think that this position is the best in the sport. Yeah, it, it is the deepest position in baseball. I'd say, um, I think I'm probably looking at it more as, well, I'll take those five over this five. Um, I do think that, you know, in terms of just like a player standpoint, the fifth best third baseman, and I won't spoil the rankings, probably slots in at three on this list if we're just talking like overall player. But there is a massive drop off after six. Like you're mentioning here, not so much like it was a fight to get into the top 10. It was a fight to even get into the honorable mentions. I'm wearing sunglasses. I'm sitting outside on a patio doing this in uh, Santa Clara, California. Very exciting. Um, I just tried in and out for the first time. And every Californian I've ever interacted with wants my assessment when I have in and out And you are no different as a native Santa Barbaran. Um, I got the fries animal style like you're supposed to do, right? Okay. Well, my personal opinion, I don't do the animal style fries. I get fries well done because the problem with In-N-Out fries is they come a little soggy. They're a little soft for a lot of people's liking. So people just throw In-N-Out fries to the trash and say, these aren't good fries compared to other fast food establishments. Yeah, You haven't had well-done fries. So what they do with the well-done fries is they put it in a separate fryer. It's 
it's ultimately an inconvenience for them. So they have to make a separate batch. The customer's always them right, even man. More, the customer's always right. If I'm going to go to In-N-Out, I'm going to get the best version of your food. Yeah. And that's the well-done fry. So 0 for 1 for you so far. But the animal style fries are very good. So you would go well-done fry, animal style, normal fry? Personally, I'm such a fan of the burger that I maybe have gotten animal fries a couple of times and I've been in and out. I remember growing up like once a week for my entire life. So I would honestly rank well done fry, 50 feet of crap, soft fry, and then the animal style fry. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, the animal style I was, I was disappointed by, I think, um, because everybody has told me that I need to do it. Here's the thing about in and out though. Um, you know, it, Californians overrate it, but then everybody that like doesn't like it will underrate it and be like, oh, Californians told me that it was so good, but it sucked. It doesn't suck. That was a very, very good burger that I had. Um, the fry could have been a better experience, but I digress. Shortstops? Shortstops. One last thing. Give me a burger rank out of 10 with price involved because that's what sets in and out apart. You can, if you compare it to Shake Shack, you have to understand that it's half the price. Right. You want to right. compare it to Whataburger. You want to compare it to Five Guys. It's right. half the price of these places. So factoring in price for the quality of the burger, give me it out of 10 before we get into our top 10 shortstops. Yeah, so I was buying for three. I was buying for my college brother and his college girlfriend. Um, so, you know, classic rich guy move, classic yeah. influencer lifestyle. I Water. just the card and buy for three. Um, so I, I didn't know the exact price, but it came out to like $10 per person, which is pretty good. California way. Um, yeah, I mean, price included the burger 8.3 overall experience 6.9. Nice. Yeah. Not nice. It is a 10 and you compare every other burger to in and out when you factor in price. If you want to debate in and out versus me. I am almost more inclined to fight to to the death over this shortstop ranking. That's how much I care about in and outs rank within other burgers. Interesting. As a native Midwestern folk, um, I do believe Culver's reigns supreme in the burger category. I think Culver's won and uh, in and out might be two. Yeah, you lost, man. You definitely lost the audience. Now, how can anyone trust your your opinion of shortstops after <laughs> saying Culver's is better than in and out? Well, that's because you didn't grow up in Wisconsin or the Midwest. But now we can talk about Jeremy Pena. Fair? All right. You got me fired up now. So I might have the rest of this episode pretty upset. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's jump in with the honorable mentions. We've got three honorable mentions. Uh, number one is Jeremy Pena. And this was a really, really hard omission from the top 10. Pena is rookie year with the Houston Astros. He was handed an impossible task, replace the platinum glover and the F war leader from 2021 and Carlos Correa. He ended up doing it swimmingly. Obviously he's not going to be Correa, but he was the best version of Jeremy Pena that I think anybody was expecting. And he turned it up in the postseason. in the regular season, 136 games slash 253, 289, 426, 22 homers, 63 driven in. He was 11 for 13 in the stolen base department with a three and a half war, a 102 WRC plus. But when this guy got to the postseason, it was 345 with an OPS over a thousand. He was the ALCS MVP and the World Series MVP. 
Jeremy Pena, if he's an all-star, is absolutely top 10 on this list by July. Yeah, the reason I like Pena so much, and you saw him on my top 100, uh, ranked pretty high, is because very safe profile. Because no matter what, he's going to give you gold glove caliber defense at the most premium position in Major League Baseball. But when comparing him to other shortstops, you find more holes, at least what happened in his rookie year, compared to the guys within the top 10. We love the 22 home runs. We love the 11 stolen bases. He even had a decent batting average of 253, and his zone contact percentage was very solid at 83.6%. So he hits a lot of balls in the zone. But he doesn't necessarily hit the ball that hard, uh, although he can hit some over the fence, but he chases a lot. He strikes out a decent amount. He doesn't and he walk. Doesn't walk at all. So when comparing him to other shortstops, you can find more holes, like I said. But I think there's something that needs to be said about a guy like Jeremy Pena. But I don't want people to overrate what I'm saying here. I just want it to be put in the plus column. And that is his postseason performance. So when we're splitting hairs, you have to find individual holes. We were just talking about that on uh, the Top 100 live stream on our YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, we'd love to hit, if you could hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, leave your top 10 shortstops in the comments below. But what we were saying is that when all these guys are so good and all of them hit home runs, all of them play good defense, all of them are great players in their own right, we have to find those specific areas of good and specific areas of bad to maybe have a slight separator. And I loved what he did in the playoffs. I love as a rookie in the brightest moment when you said he had the hard deal of replacing a guy like Carlos Correa. In the brightest moments, he was the World Series MVP in his rookie year. The yeah. power's always going to be there, but there's swing decision stuff. There is a lack of taking the you know, the slider in the dirt, taking it for a ball instead of swinging for strike three. There's stuff that he needs to work on, but he was a rookie last year. Give him a second. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse what postseason success can do for a guy. The only other place where you see postseason success matter as much as the MLB postseason is the NCAA tournament for men's basketball and women's basketball. Um, like there are guys that take themselves from come back for your sophomore year to lottery pick in the NCAA tournament. There are guys like Jeremy Pena, who is good gold Glover, but a 715 OPS jumping that 300 points in the postseason. And this guy's stock is probably as high as it'll ever get. Um, now, if he does it again in the postseason and he rips off another 1,000 OPS postseason this year, then we're looking at this guy as one of the greatest postseason performers ever because he's already done it for 13 games. You know what I mean? Um, the, the thing, like, it's almost a burden when you're that good in the postseason because this guy went from stock fine to stock as high as it can possibly be. Now, how does he come back? Because if he does have a 715 OPS a couple months into the season or ends this regular season with a 715 OPS, is he now a disappointment? Because I think everybody's expecting this massive jump. I don't think we've seen the best from Jeremy Pena. I think that we're going to see an incredible season from Jeremy Pena, and I do expect him to be on this top 10 list next year. But I'm worried that there's almost going to be a sense of disappointment if he does what he did in the regular season again. 
I agree. And I think there's two schools of thought with guys like Jeremy Pena. You see the people who think he's wildly overrated. He's only done it once. The glove is amazing, but some people don't believe in the bat as much as others. Then there's other schools of camp who believe this is one of the safest profiles in major league baseball. The glove is real. The bat is only going to improve and he should be well within the top 10 shortstops. I think we found the middle putting him on the honorable mention, which is a testament to him in his first year in the most loaded position. He's among the names we considered for the best shortstops in baseball. And I think we found the sweet spot. One thing I was upset with Aram, he said that there's no perfect list. This is a perfect list. And you might question that and say, well, Peter, you had Jeremy Pena maybe a little bit higher than this honorable mention. And you called your own list a perfect list. And I would respond to that with first, shut up, nerd. Yeah. Two, the Mona Lisa and Starry Night are both perfect paintings, different, but are artistic in their own right. That was what pretty we're doing sick. here is art. That was sick. And, and you went to like literal art. I was going to go like album direction, but you went Mona Lisa and Starry Night. That's that was pretty hot. Thank you. Honest. I feel um, good. I, I'm, I've lowered my anger off the Culver's comparison, which I'll. I'm going to be bringing that up for the rest of the time now. That's fine. That's fine. fine. Have you tried Culver's? Yes or no? No. Okay. Uh, next <laughs> one is also a second-year shortstop. Bobby Witt Jr. is our second of three honorable mentions. 150 games in his first major league season, slash 254, 294, 428. So almost an identical slash line to that of Pena. 31 doubles, 6 triples, 20 homers, 80 driven in. He was 30 for 37 in the stolen base department. He put up a 2.3 F4. The thing that dinged him was he really struggled defensively, particularly at short, just because he was getting reps at third and then he was bouncing back to second. He didn't have a consistent home. And he did finish with a 99 WRC+. Witt strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk. Uh, But Bobby Witt, if his underwhelming rookie season is 20 bombs and 30 stolen bases. We're in for a treat with Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, it was funny. When I was looking at the uh, WRC+, Plus, it was one of the most shocking numbers because I thought to myself, how? And it's just he doesn't walk. And that's what, like, WRC+, Plus, I would say, is the best hitting statistic that we have because it compares players with a park-adjusted stat, um, with a park-adjusted factor to it. It, it accounts um, for everything. It accounts for mostly everything, but it does really, really help guys who walk. Like, and I think a perfect comparison is like a guy like Yandy Diaz hit nine home runs last year, walked an incredible amount, and ended with a 146 WRC plus. Bobby Wood Jr. hit 30 bombs, stole 20 bags, and was consistently making loud contact. Was he really? 47% better than Bobby Witt Jr. That's why we have to look at all stats and really paint a picture of who this guy is. In terms of max exit velocity, 92nd percentile, when he makes his hardest contact, it flies. Talking about sprint speed, he is the fastest player at the position. Average exit velocity, hard hit rate, he's in the upper half barrel rate, all that good stuff. We know that he's going to hit forever. And when I said 30 bombs, 20 stolen bases, actually 30 stolen bases, 20 bombs. But with that said, I could easily see him being a 30-30 guy. I think he has to walk more. He does. He just has to see more pitches. He has to limit the chase um, because he was in the 16th percentile of it. 
But Bobby Wood Jr. is as exciting of a player as we have in Major League Baseball. And he's also 22 years old. He's almost the opposite of Bobby or the opposite of Jeremy Pena in that way, right? You have the safe batted ball profile where you know Bobby Wood Jr. is going to hit and he's going to affect the game on the base pass. And that's almost like the floor of what he's going to do. But then what will happen with the glove? Transitioning from shortstop to third base certainly doesn't help. It also doesn't help when you're 21 years old doing that. Right. I think once he finally finds a home, he has too much range. He has too good of an arm to really always rate out as a below average defender. So yeah. while he was last year, and if you look at the overall numbers, you probably wouldn't consider him a 99 WRC plus and really bad defense. He shouldn't be considered, but it's our belief of what this guy can do with the top prospect pedigree. Bobby Wood Jr. is one of my favorite young players in this in this game. But before we move any farther, and, and we're going to have this conversation, like all three of these honorable mentions don't walk at all. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing with us saying that a guy has to walk more, it's always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I didn't really know how to put it into words until recently when I like actually took the time to say, OK, well, why does it rub me the wrong way when we say that a guy has to walk more? We want them to get on base more. And a guy like Bobby Witt, as a baseball fan, as a baseball watcher, as a baseball enjoyer, I don't really want to watch Bobby Witt walk. I want to see him swing. You know what I like? I don't I don't like walk watching guys walk. It's my least favorite thing about this game, actually. I watching guys walk. I totally agree with you. And but the reason why I want to see Bobby Witt Jr. walk more is he has a special tool. Well, he has he had, an 80 grade run tool. So if he gets on more, right. lays off bad pitches, waits for good pitches to hit, this could be an incredible hitter. Like yeah. if he gets on first, he could be on third. So he could turn four balls into a triple. That's how of an electric base runner Bobby Witt Jr. is. So with him especially, the walks are so important. But we also have to consider there are sometimes reasons why these guys don't walk. They know they should take their base on balls. But what was Bobby Witt Jr.'s role with the Royals last year? It was do everything. You had to hit. You had to swing out of the zone. He was one of the few who was the run producers, even though he switched between leadoff, hitting second, hitting all across the lineup. At the top order, he had 80 driven it. And that matters. Some of these guys, like, it's much easier for a guy hitting sixth for a contender to take your walks because we just need more guys on base because we have so many other guys. With a banged-up Salvi last year, first year at MJ, it was on a 21-year-old to really be the best hitter on the team. And yeah. sometimes the best hitter on the team can't just take walks because the guy behind you can't drive you in. Yeah. So we want Bobby Witt to get on base more. A 294 OBP is not going to cut it. Mm-mm. Unfortunately, the way to that is walking. But other ways that may not show up in OBP to get on base more and improve that 30 stolen base marker is to not strike out as much, right? It's to put the ball in play, put the ball on the ground. Because even if you roll into a fielder's choice, that doesn't help your batting average. It doesn't help your LBP. But guess what? You're on first base. I, that's what Bobby Witt can do. So I would love for him to cut down the punch outs and use that athleticism. Um, obviously, it'd be great if he walked more. But as somebody who loves watching Bobby Witt Jr. play, I'd be kind of disappointed just watching walk after walk after walk. And that's the thing that gets me about these high OBP guys. Um, 
Next one. Another guy that doesn't walk that much, and he was hampered by injury a lot in 2022. This is one of my favorite players, maybe my favorite player in all of baseball. Tim Anderson is our third and final honorable mention. Played less than 80 games, 79 games, but he is a walking 300 hitter. Hit 301 with a 339 OBP, a 395 slug. He had 13 doubles in 79 games, six homers. He was a perfect 13 for 13 in the stolen base department. He was a 2.0 F4 guy. He had a 110 WRC+. Plus. Tim Anderson is a two-time All-Star, a Silver Slugger winner, and owns a batting title when he hit over 330 in 2019. Tim Anderson, when he's on the field, and I know we're going to talk about durability with him, but when he is on the field, Tim Anderson is must-see TV. Agreed. Tim Anderson, very safe batted ball profile he's going to make a lot of contact and he's going to hit with authority when he hits the ball he's going to hit it hard enough yeah he's going to hit it hard enough now you look at the bubbles like 46 mags eggs of velocity 37th percentile average eggs of velocity but again i think we both know that he was banged up last year and that's kind of been his issue he's been banged up kind of his entire career but in 2021, like he's in the upper half of baseball. So we know that he's got it in the bat and he's 29 years old. This isn't a 34-year-old Tim Anderson we're talking about that could be over the hill. It's not. It's just about staying on the field. Still hit 300 last year because he's almost a guarantee to do that year in, year out. But I'm a little bit worried about the power and I'm, a, and I'm definitely worried about the durability. I think that's what keeps him off this list because I think he's a slightly below average defender um, when you compare him to other shortstops. Now, if he moved over to second base, he'd probably win a gold glove if he moved him kind of anywhere because he's a great athlete. And he yeah. is he has good tendencies at shortstop. Yeah. But when you look at the numbers, it's hard to say that he's above average. You could argue average. He passes the eye test. Passes the eye test with flying colors, and that's why it's tough. But when you look at his entire profile, there's more holes than there are with guys on our top 10, and that's what probably puts him at 11 for us. Yeah, yeah. TA is a polarizing player with undeniable talent. And as a White Sox fan, as somebody that grew up with the White Sox and has watched Tim Anderson come out swinging really well in his major league career and then goes through a terrible stretch and all of a sudden comes back and is 300 every time he steps on the field in any given year. And I wholly expect him to be a 300 hitter again. I love him. He's, again, one of my favorite players. I ask you, as somebody who is not watching Tim Anderson every day, is, you know, like not a a White Sox fan, like has no rooting interest in Tim Anderson. Do you like Tim Anderson or do you not like Tim Anderson? Love Tim Anderson. There we go, man. Like that tells you, and you are a new guard of baseball enjoyer. I think Tim Anderson is one of the best examples of the new guard of baseball and making baseball marketable. Absolutely. But I will say he'd be a lot more marketable if he stayed on the field. He's played seven seasons and he's played over 150 games once. once. And when you look at the game logs, Jack, He's played 70, over 125 twice, right? 
No, he's yeah, he's played over 125 twice. I mean, he has a couple of years of 123, but like 79 games last year, 123 the year before. He was pretty healthy in 2020, but I don't know what to do with 2020 anymore. No, you can't do anything with it. 2019, 123. Then he had back-to-back healthy seasons. Then he played 99 games. So the durability, I just want him. I want to see him. If he plays 150 games this year, he's a top 10 shortstop. Yes. I think yeah. that's, but if we were to put a gun to our head, which we tend to do when yeah. we're splitting hairs, we do that a lot. I probably bet the under, and I think everybody else would, which is why he's 11 and not eight or something like that. I hear you, man. And we get to 10 now. Tommy Edmond is our 10th best shortstop in baseball. He was a 5.6 F4 guy. Slash 265, 324, 400, 13 homers, 32 bags, 57 driven in, 7.5% walk rate, a K rate under 18%. He had a 108 WRC plus. But obviously, his jam is defense. Six defensive runs saved, 11 outs above average at short, 12 DRS, eight outs above average at second base. He is a consistent platinum glove candidate. And the bat's getting better year after year. Let's pull back the cor- curtain a little bit because I want everyone also to know that we spoke about this on the second base episode. But if you're just listening now, maybe we have a new listener search top 10 shortstops on Spotify or something like that. Right. Jack, me, Aram, our managing editor, Ryan Finkelstein, and Colby Olson, our head of analytics, we all came together to make this list. So we have different opinions on guys. I know Colby is a Tommy Edmond guy. I'm a Tommy Edmond guy. Are you a Tommy Edmond guy? I am. I'm I'm okay. very high on Tommy Edmond. Um, As am I. And I think there's multiple reasons why. Here's something the media won't tell you about. <laughs> Tommy Edmond, by StatCast, would have hit 21 home runs at Great American Ballpark. Tommy Edmond hit a ball 113 miles an hour last year he's got juice it's just about putting it together and he put together 13 home runs last year and it's not like again Tommy Edmond is 27 years old he's filling into his body could we see a guy who's 15 to 18 home runs with 30 to 35 stolen bases who's one of the best defenders at the position who doesn't really strike out yes that's a great player that is a gritty really good baseball player and I was a Cardinals truther and then what has been happening is I have almost been shit talking the Cardinals too much because the idea of pitching and free agency has come up so much and I really don't like what they did I don't really like what John Mozeliak has been doing with that but I digress now is the time where I jump back into my Cardinals love because I am a Tommy Edmond believer. I think this guy is could put up his best season that he ever has. Now that he's finally settled in the shortstop, he knows his role, get on base for the Goldschmidt's, the Arenado's, the Tyler O'Neill's, the, we could continue to name names. That's his role. He does it perfectly. He knows it. He's almost like a, he's like a Julian Edelman in the Patriots offense. He's like one of those guys who just knows his role and he does it at as well as you'd want anyone in that role to do. Yeah. So I was actually going to make another comp and I've been on like this basketball comp kick for some reason, but he's the point guard that doesn't turn the ball over, right? He's the guy that orchestrates an offense. He's, He's the guy that you never have to worry about because he is 
two wins at least defensively if he sucks. Like, if he's horrible offensively, he's still a two-war guy because of how good the defense is. Even better, he, probably. Even if he's horrible, he's probably a three It might be guy. two and a half. Yeah, two yeah. and a half or three if he's horrible. Um, Which he won't the be. Thing is like, yeah, like, he's pretty good offensively, and he doesn't punch out. He's never a liability on any given night. Like, you're not going to see Tommy Edmond go 0 for 4 with three punch outs. And if he does... Please tag me in it. If he if that happens at any point this season, that's not Edmonds game. Edmonds game is situational hitting, doing what you got to do offensively and making zero mistakes defensively. And that's a hell of a player. That's a top 10 shortstop in the game. Totally agree. Number nine is Wander Franco. And this Mm. was a loaded conversation. 2.3 2.3 F4 in 2022 in just 344 plate appearances. He slashed 277, 328, 417. Six homers, eight bags, 33 driven in, a walk rate just under 8%, a K rate under 10%. He had a 116 WRC+. plus. He was an average defender when on the field. No outs above average, no defensive run saved. Zero is a lot better than if there's a negative in front of that, and they can be negative for a lot of guys. Wander Franco obviously was the number one prospect in the game two years running. When Franco's on the field, it's just so clear that he's amazing. Uh, He wasn't really on the field in 2022. I think we could be talking about this in a year, and he's number three on this list. Wander's like Rihanna. And the reason I say Wander is like the biggest star Rihanna. it's, It's hit after hit. It's just... When you see it, you know it's one of the best. You get it. But we just haven't gotten an album in a really long time. But we saw flashes in the Super Bowl halftime show. When she gets on the mic and starts belting, it sounds like an angel. And that's what Wander Franco looks like. From a profile standpoint, he's probably a top five shortstop. And I don't say that lightly because there's nothing he does even at an average level. He hits the ball hard. He's got a good arm at short. He's got plenty of range. He's got baseball IQ. He doesn't strike out. He takes his walks. He has power. He hits for a good enough average. This is a guy that is 21 years old now. We've seen Juan Franco play two seasons. He's 21 years old as we sit here today. Like, we have to understand that with prospect fatigue. It's like a guy comes up, and we immediately judge him. But at the same time, we were talking about this on the live stream. Juan Franco at 21 years old could be playing for Florida right now, could be playing for LSU right now. We have to understand that. Like, Dylan Cruz, as amazing as he is for LSU, put him in the lineup today, and let's see how he does. Juan Franco, to me, and I think to you too, and to a lot of us baseball people – Feels generational with the profile. But the reason he's at nine is we got to see him do it. Do it. You know, do it over a full season. Because in 2020, 2021, excuse me, he played 70 games. In 2022, played 83 games. He's played 153 games in his career. We just need to see him do it over a full season. And the fact that we're even putting him at nine, people might think this is too low. But what we are doing, 
And what we value is consistency over a long period of time. Now, when we see guys who feel like special to us, we put them in the top 10, but we also have to be careful because we haven't seen it. We haven't even seen him play 85 games in a season before. So nine is perfect. What a spot for him. Props to us. No notes. Wander Franco is the type that can hit 330 with 20 to 25 homers. Exactly. That's Wander. Steal bases and be a great defender. Like that's, I mean, that's incredible. Batting title 2020 and good defense. You don't come around that that often. Ever. With power and great base runner. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, You don't. Maybe sometimes, not ever, but like we, I know what you're saying. Batting title, homers yeah. and bags, good defense. You don't come across that often. He's got more pop than Trey Turner. He's probably Close. a better, he's probably a better defender than Trey Turner. Yep, he is. <laughs> he's not as fast as Trey, but like he can still get his bags. Yeah. No, you're you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah, I was I know, a guy who wanted. I was a guy who wanted Wander higher, but I understand we got to wait. We no, gotta you got to wait. You got to wait. Uh, number eight, and this was a hard one. Like seven is where it's like cut and dry. Like there's there's a hard line after seven, eight and nine. I was I was okay with Wander at eight. Um, I am fine with him at nine because Willie Adamas is at eight, and Adamas did play a full season, 620 plate appearances. He put up a 4.7 F4, slash 238, 298, 458. The slug came out in droves for Willie Adamas. 31 homers, 98 driven in, swiped eight bags, walk rate at 8%, K rate in the mid 20%. He had a 109 WRC+. plus. He was an excellent defender at short, nine defensive runs saved, 10 outs above average, Adamus went from damaged goods in Tampa and you need to clear space for Wander Franco. So you ship him off to Milwaukee to right there, neck and neck on this list between Wander Franco and Willie Adamus. And it's the more veteran guy that is coming off of a full season at a hitter, hitter friendly ballpark that gets the edge. Here's what I needed to do when I was thinking about where Willie Adamus should rank within our top 10. Everyone, close your eyes. If you're listening to the Just Baseball Show, close your eyes. Jack's closing his eyes right now. Yeah. If I told you there is a 27-year-old shortstop who hits 31 home runs and is one of the best defenders at the position, at a position that is loaded with incredible defenders, that makes you think. That makes you think, wow, he's even better than I thought. But it's the name Willie Adamas. It's the struggles with Tampa. And yes, he plays in a hitter-friendly ballpark. We know that if you look at StatCast, there's a lot of parks where he'd be a 20-home run guy. But there's other parks he'd be a 33-home run guy. So I'm willing to say, if Willie Adamas is going to be a 260 hitter with a 780 OPS who gives me 25 to 35 home runs and plays incredible defense... That is one of the best shortstops in baseball. And that is the eighth best shortstop going into the year because it's clear he's found something, right? He's found the power stroke. He knows what he is now as a hitter. I'd like to see him take more walks. But again, his role in Milwaukee's offense, now that Christian Yelich has kind of 
taken a step back. They don't really have many other big boppers in the lineup, especially now with Hunter Renfro gone. Come on, man, Rowdy. <laughs> yeah, Rowdy. He's rowdy. got to be the power guy. So you're probably not going to see him just take a bunch of pitches and get on base and maybe have a better WRC plus when it's all said and done. He's got to hit homers for these brewers and he can hit them. He can really hit them. I like Willie Adamas a lot. And I think it's just about realizing what the profile is. It's a 30 plus home run guy who plays some of the best defense in the sport. That's a really, really good player. Yeah, I, I think adding William Contreras is going to help out with the protection. And, and that's another Homer RBI guy that can help Absolutely. out with Willie Adamas. But I mean, like, let's see it. Yeah, but dude, he was he was a nice night away. Like he was, you know, a, a bloop single with runners on second and third away from an 100 RBI season. He was 31 bombs, 98 driven in. And, for the and we Brewers. Talk, for the Brewers. Like, and and yeah. we talked about this with Ozzy Albies, like, you know, pick whatever bones you want, but 30 and 100 driven in, you can't deny 30 homers and 100 ribbies. Doesn't come around that often. No. And like, we have no reason why he can't do it again. There's not like these crazy advanced stats that's going to tell you that Willie Adamas sucks, really. No, if, They're if not. He's the king They're of the just... counting stat, if he's the king of the counting stat with advanced defensive metrics, we're really happy with Willie Adamas. Are we not? No, I'm really happy with Willie Adamas. Now, you could look at like, you know, for example, like he hit the ball really hard last year and like all of his X stats point to he, this is like what he did. Like, this is what he is now. If yeah. he, he hit 238 last year, I'd like him to hit 250, maybe 260 is a little bit much, but I think he can do it because he's only going to get better. I don't think he gets worse yeah. now that he's just more settled into Milwaukee. He knows his role now. I'm expecting a really, really solid season and I bet he finishes eighth in war this year among in the short supposition. Yeah. That's what I see from him. But again, clear drop off uh, before number seven, because number seven is Dansby Swanson. Now with the Chicago Cubs, six and a half win guy last year. He played a whole season, 700 plate appearances, slash 277, 329, 447, 25 bombs, 96 driven in, 18 bags, a 116 WRC plus. And oh, by the way, he was arguably the best defender in baseball at shortstop. Nine defensive runs saved, 20 outs above average. I thought he was going to get to the $200 million threshold. He did not. I think the Cubs made the right decision handing that money to Dansby Swanson. If it was over 200, I would have shuddered a little bit. But seeing Xander Bogarts get 280 and seeing Dansby get under 200, I thought, man, that could have been a steal in that market. So it was around August, maybe September of last year. Um, everyone, it was obvious that Dansby made these incredible, incredible adjustments on defense. And it was clear that he was working on it. We were reading articles that like he's just such a hard worker that he was improving. And we saw him blossom at the short supposition is probably the best defensive season by the numbers last year. I mean, that's evident by ranking in the 100th percentile and that's above average. Colby and I, we were in the office and we were like, how did he do it? Like, what did he improve on? And we saw that there was, you know, you can go on StatCast and look at, you know, glove side, charging in on balls, backhand. And we saw that there was like a big discrepancy, like in 2020, 2021, like before this year, really bad at the backhand. And, you know, I didn't know that, but it showed in the numbers. And then we watched video and it was like, oh, yeah, he wasn't really getting to that. He wasn't completing the throw because his arm is average. 
but he worked on it and he became one of the better shortstops at the backhand last year. That's what Dansby Swanson is. And to all the people who are doubting Dansby Swanson, I think he can hear you because I think based on that, based on what I've read about him, based on listening to interviews where he can break down the game, this is a very smart baseball player who knows his holes and is willing to work to make himself a well-rounded player. And now you can look at specific things. You can look at his swing and say, no, he's not going to be the six and a half war guy. And I probably agree with you. But if you look at season after season, the hoopla about Dansby is he's never done this before, right? He's never had a six-war season. He's never had a four-win season. But if you look at year by year, he gets better every year. And that's not a mistake. He is as hard of a worker as we have in Major League Baseball. And I think he's going to come to the Cubs and be a four-and-a-half to five-win player. I bet he finishes seventh in war. That's why I think seven is a perfect spot for him. And... He has 52 home runs over the past two seasons, 27 and 25 drives in runs. He got caught stealing a lot in the base pass, which is weird. I don't know why. Like um, last year, he only had 18 steals, but he was caught seven times. Hmm. Um, And he's not normally a guy that's, I mean, he's been caught stealing before. It's not like he always has the best, but I like him running more. If he can be a 25 to 30 home run guy who steals 15 to 20 bags with a near 775 OPS with some of the best defense in the sport, that's the seventh best shortstop in baseball. I think it's a perfect spot. Again, props to us. In in a gold glove caliber defender at, at short. So that's the Dansby thing. Like few guys were going to make Nico Horner move off a of short. Um, I think if they signed Bogarts, like they probably would have had Bogarts play third because he wasn't a better option at short than the Nico Horner is. But Dansby Swanson is a better option defensively than Nico Horner. And you just created the best defensive middle infield in baseball, bar none, especially with Bellinger and center. I think the Mets can compete there with McNeil and Lindor, but I agree. Defense. Yeah, because Lindor's the best at the position, I think. I think Dansby's two. And then. I'm excited to see Nico. He might be the best at the position. Yeah. So, and then McNeil's top five. So it's splitting hairs. I yeah. agree with you. They're the best defensive up the middle duo. I just want to see Nico at second full time. Yeah. Only knock on Dansby is he strikes out a lot. He's he's over 25% with the K rate, yeah. but you know what? It's part of his game. And there's so many other things that he does well um, to, to counteract like a higher K rate. Exactly. Number yeah, number six is Bo Bichette, four and a mm. half F war for the Blue Jays. This is really hard because he's not a good defender at short at all. Like you could argue he is a terrible defender at short, relatively speaking, but he hit 290 with a 470 slug, 24 homers, 93 driven in, 13 bags, a 129 WRC plus. You are a Bo Bichette truther. What say you, Peter Apple? He's got a special bat special like i think he is a hall of fame level shortstop bat now will he be a hall of famer i'm not so sure he's got to clean up the defense will he play enough to accumulate the counting stats i don't know it remains to be seen but when i watch bo bichette play baseball there are few hitters in the al east as a yankee fan when I watch American League Baseball, when I watch Major League Baseball that I'm more afraid of when Bo Bichette comes to the plate, he can hit anything. Fastball's in, slider's away, anything. 
My one critique of Bo Bichette is, damn it, play some defense. Because you are such a special hitter. There are so many times where he fields a routine ground ball, everything feels fine, and he bounces it to Vladdy. He throws it over his head. He boots a ball. It is infuriating to watch, and I know Blue Jays fans, to their core, they see the potential in Bo Bichette as a hitter, and it's just like, dude, can you play some defense? Because it's not like we're going to take you off the position because the bat is special, but the bat is special. He's a 300 hitter in my mind. Now, he's been 290-ish, you know, all the expected batting averages are in the 290. 311, 301, 298, 290. That's been his last four years in the batting average department. He's been an 800 OPS guy every single season. He takes his walks. He gets on base. He had 43 doubles last year and 24 home runs. 43 freaking doubles. Yeah. This guy is a hitting machine. 91st percentile average exit velocity, 94th percentile hard hit rate at six foot 190. He has special hands. His swing is a little bit unorthodox, but he's just a freak talent. And the son of Dante Bichette, he's got the bloodlines. Like at 24 years old, he's as he's as exciting of a hitter as we have in the American League at that age. Yeah, I don't have that much to add on Bo because um, defense is like the glaring thing that that it holds him back. Like, it's really bad. Um, apparently, he's made a concerted effort this offseason to get faster, to get more agile, and he has said that he wants to steal more bases. So if this guy is a 290 hitter with 25 homers and 25 bags, I mean, sign me up. And 40 um, doubles. Yeah, and 40 doubles, like, so I, I've heard from from minor league announcers that like follow the Blue Jays trail um, that Bo Bichette and Vladdy, when they were coming up like in lockstep, the sound off their bat was different than like anything they've heard in years Agreed. because it's that crazy. And Vladdy gets all the love in that regard, but Bo Bichette should be getting some of that love as well. I agree. Like, I think Bo Bichette is... You know, Vladdy gets all the shine. He's ever so. Vladdy is a better hitter. Yeah. Bichette's right there. And Bichette's yeah. 24. Bichette is 24 Ooh, years old, ladies and gentlemen. His, you say his swing is a little unorthodox. Like, he's just smooth as hell, though. So smooth. And, his, and the barrel stays in the zone for a while. Yeah. It's he's just like he's going to hit forever. He's going to hit forever. And yeah. like, yeah. It might be a Bogarts type progression in his he career. Could like, be, he may move if, off, but he can hit. If he. Like, I think if he shores up the defense, has second-best shortstop in baseball potential. That's what I think. Like, in the trade Turner, we're going to get to it in a minute, in that kind of category because the bat is that special. It's just, can you play some defense, please? Can you play some defense? Can you throw the ball over to Vladdy, please? Yeah. Throw it. I don't care if sometimes you boot the ball. Eliminate the throwing errors. Yeah, 100%. All right. Top five, Corey hmm. Seager, four and a half win player, man. He's the number five shortstop in baseball. Peter was overruled. He is team Seager over team Correa. We'll get to Correa at four, but let's give Seager his flowers right now. 660 plate appearances first year with the Texas Rangers. Hit 245, just a 317 OBP, but the slug was there. 455, 33 homers, 91 driven in, 15.5% K rate, walk rate near 9%, had a 117 WRC+. plus. 
he was fine defensively. Negative four defensive runs saved, four outs above average. Corey Seager, you're expecting him to truly become that $325 million man. Yeah, you eliminate the shift, and he's one of the most um, shifted on players and has been on the forefront of guys who you look at the stats and you say, eliminate the shift, and he should get much better. There was a lot of base hits to the right side of the field that the second baseman grabbed up. There was a lot of low liners that the second baseman playing in shallow right field gobbled up. He was back-to-back 300 hitter, 2021-2022. Back-to-back seasons of a 140 WRC plus or higher. No, he was a 245 guy in 22. No, in 2021 and 2020. Excuse okay. me. Okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But like that's what he's got. World Series MVP. And in a down year, he hit 245 with 33 home runs. I think he is going to unload. Super, super low BABIP. I think that gets higher with the ban of the shift. If he gets back up to that 300 BABIP, he gets back up to 280 average, which he can definitely do. He's shown it before, and he's 30 to 35 home runs, and he's 100 driven in, and the defense gets better. This is a six-win player, and I think he could be in the conversation for the MVP. I would have him above a couple of guys on this list. I got overruled, but at five, like, we're splitting hairs. I yeah. love him as a top five shortstop. Yeah. I mean, we can immediately move to four because this is the conversation, right? It's Seager versus Correa. Even free agency, you were team Seager. Aram and I were team Correa. We're still team Correa, even with the leg thing that apparently is just blacklisting Carlos Correa for Major League Baseball. But he was a 4.4 F4 guy. Played pretty much a whole season, missed a little bit of time, hit 291. 366 OBP, 400 slug, 22 homers, walk rate over 10%, K rate just a smidge over 20%, but he was a 140 WRC+. plus. He won the Platinum Glove in 2021. He was average advanced metrics-wise in 2022. Don't give a shit about that. He's one of the best defenders at short in all of baseball. I think everybody knows that. He has... Aside from O'Neill Cruz, probably the, the craziest arm that I've ever seen live. It Bazooka is arm. It's insane, dude. I think Carlos Correa is a better player than Corey Seager. You don't. Why? No, it's just funny, too, because uh, I totally agree with you. I think you might have the best arm at the position at shortstop, maybe outside of like O'Neill Cruz or someone like freaky right. like but that. Like Cruz, like sometimes he has no idea where it's going. Correa, he knows where it's going every time. So I think he's got the most impressive arm. And that's why I think the bubble on baseball savant for arm strength, 72nd percentile, it's bullshit. Like I never, I would, I can't rely on the bubbles for arm strength. Like other things you can rely on, like expected batting average, ex-woba, exit velocities, all that kind of stuff. But arm strength, like he's 99th percentile. He has a bazooka arm at shortstop. I think Cray is great. Um, But I think if we go tool by tool, Who's truly better? Power, I'm going to give to Seager. Yeah. Um, Hit, I give to... I mean, Seager's got a lower K rate, but Correa's like consistently... God, call it a wash, I guess. I would say Seager. I mean, multiple seasons of hitting above 300, and Correa's done it once in 2017 where he played 109 games. So I would give that to Seager. So from a 
hitter perspective, I'll take Seager. But what takes Correa over the top and why I can understand being four versus five, it's just you value the bat, you value the defense a little bit more. I personally, I'm a guy who goes a little bit more towards the bat. When at this position, you can make a very sound argument that defense should be on a higher level. That's why Edmund makes this. No, I mean, chips dig the bat, man. Like, it's all about the bat. Here's the thing, though. I think the difference defensively between Correa and Seager is greater than the difference offensively between Correa and Seager. And I think that's fine. I'm also in the boat of I think this is going to be a career year from Seager, and I don't think we can just fully discount the leg thing. Is Correa finally going to hurt his leg? No, I'm not saying that. And I don't think he is, and that didn't really go into my analysis. But again, if we're splitting hairs – What do I expect in 2023? A career year from Seager and a very good year from Correa. And so that's why, you know, I've opened it up. Like I'll take war bets on both of them because while Correa is a safer bet to have the higher war, I like Seager's upside here with the improvements on defense. But that's why I'm not going to fight to the death about this one. There's other arguments, which I will, but I just have a firm belief that this is going to be the Seager year while I think we get a great Correa year. Yeah, we, we've talked about it so many times in this pod, so I will end that debate by saying uh, I respectfully disagree, <laughs> right? And like, I respectfully disagree, and it's like four versus five. Yeah. Like, if yeah. Corey Seager was, ranking, was ranked fourth on our list and Corey was five, you ain't losing a wink of sleep. No, no, Neither no. am I here. And honestly, like, we could be talking about those guys at three and four because three is Xander Bogarts, and Bogarts – while he did take that step up defensively this year, five DRS and five outs above average, do we know if that stays? TBD. What we cannot deny is what he did. He stepped up defensively and he was a six win player, hit 307, 377, 456. 15 homers will always be at or near the top in doubles in all of Major League Baseball. K rate under 20%, walk rate at 9%, a 134 WRC plus. This guy just signed an 11-year deal, takes him into his early 40s. He's going to be hitting doubles in his early 40s. We know that. Is Xander Bogarts sniffing a possible Hall of Fame case or no? Um, No me for me right at, now, but like, yeah, like he has do this two more times. He's 30 years old and he has 156 career home runs. And he's got 1,400 hits. He'd have to play like 20 years at this level. And I just don't see that. I don't think he's a future Hall of Famer. But at the same time, that shouldn't take away from the greatness of Bogarts this year in particular. The reason I love Bogarts so much is, yeah, he made improvements on defense, but a lot of that was shift dependent. You know, he had a lot of outs above average playing a specific, you know, short right field playing like, you know, back as a somewhat of a second baseman. I'm actually kind of worried about him defensively at short this year because I don't think he really has the range. I think he has a fine arm, but as a shortstop. But then I also think to myself, like, I don't really care that much. Like, I care, but I don't because he's going to hit forever and he hits everything and his swing is so perfect and his barrel stays in the zone so long. He hits four seamers. He hits sliders. He hits sinkers. He hits changeups. He hits cutters. He hits any pitch you throw in the zone because his swing is perfect. He's going to hit forever and he's a doubles machine. My one worry and why I personally would have Bogarts five 
I would put Seager and Cray above Bogarts because one, I don't believe in the defense. And I actually think if we were to rank on defense, I would have him third power. I would also have him third. We can't forget he had 15 home runs last year, like 15 home runs in Fenway. And now he's going to Petco. I would honestly say Bogarts has more power than Correa. Mm, I would definitely disagree with you. I would say that Bogarts is a better hitter. He's a better hitter. But, like, I mean, even Cray had a higher slugging percentage, and I would even say it was a slight down power year for him. I would not say, but agree to disagree, I guess. Yeah. Like, if we're looking at, let's just see Pecco last year. In Pecco, he would have hit 13 home runs. That's what StatCast deemed him as after he hit 15. Like, if he hits 13 home runs next year and doesn't play that great a defense... He's probably a guy who we think at the end, like we should have dropped him. Right. Now, he could also he could also hit 50 doubles. He could also hit 50 doubles. And that's why he has to be in the top five because he has such a safe batted ball profile because he's going to hit everything yeah. forever. Like he's just going to hit. There's yeah. no pitch that gets by him. There's no type of velocity. He takes his walk. He's just a great hitter. That's why they paid him because they yeah. know it's like, well, if he plays outfielder, he plays a DH or third. It doesn't matter. He's just going to hit forever. So we'll pay him. And that's why when I looked at the contract initially, I was like, whoa, that's such an overpay. Are you kidding? And it was an overpay. Yes. But the yes. belief is that he's going to hit forever. And I agree with AJ Preller and the Padres. Yes, 100%. All right. We got the top two. Trey Turner is the second best shortstop in baseball. Just signed his $300 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. Over 700 plate appearances this past year. He was a six and a half win guy. Hit 298 with a 466 slug, 21 homers, 100 driven in, 27 stolen bases, a 128 WRC plus. He's a fine defender, average to maybe slightly below average. But what this guy does is on par with anybody when you look at all around game. He's one of the best pure ball players in all of baseball, and he's damn sure the smoothest ball player in Major League Baseball. You know how I compared Wander to Rihanna? I yeah. kind of compared Trey Turner to a Will Ferrell movie. Like, no it matter what, it's always bangs. It yeah, always no matter what, it always bangs. You curl up, and it's like, when I put on a Will Ferrell movie, I know I'm going to laugh. When yeah. I watch Trey Turner, I know I'm going to have fun. Yes. Speed, power, sliding. average. Fucking sliding. sliding. He's just one of the most fun players to watch in this game. But I think the one thing that you can tear him down and why he's not number one is the defense is not there. Remember, he's a converted second baseman. He made some blunders in the playoffs that kind of cost the Dodgers. And during the regular season, he didn't rate out that well on defense either. 48th percentile, now it's above average. He doesn't have a very good arm. He's one of the lesser defenders on this list, but he might have the best batted ball he might be the best hitter on this list yeah you know I mean, he's, he's gonna batting 300 with you know he's gonna hit 300 with 20 home runs like when you know and that like guys. knowing that going into a season is so impactful for a team he's going to be great and it's just is he going to be amazing or great nobody hates having trey turner on their team no and that's why i got paid a ton because he's gonna be awesome it's just going to be awesome. And it's just what level of awesome do you get? Do you get pretty awesome or do you get unbelievably awesome? I, I got to be done asking you Seeger questions, but like, <laughs> do you feel more comfortable giving Seeger $300 million or Turner $300 million? Well, different ages. That's why it's like they were different ages when they signed. 
Seager was a little bit younger and is if, you know, if they were both 29 years old right now. Seager. Seager, yeah. No, I, I honestly disrespectfully disagree now. That's fine. That is totally fine. I, I am I'm just, just a believer. A He's such a safe bet. I agree. Yeah. I mean Turner. My Turner. the right answer is Turner. My belief that's just what I want to shine through here is for Seeger. But Your the right answer is Trey bias. Turner. Your poo poo bias is Seeger. It's incredible insight by me. Incredible. Right. When right. we get to a six and a half war season for Seeger, we'll again have this conversation. And I want an apology. But, but Trey Turner was if a he has a three war season. If he has a three war season, I will issue an enormous apology. This is one of my takes for the year. This is something I will hang my hat on. I believe in Corey Seeger having an amazing year. But to that point, the right answer is Turner. The safe answer is Turner. Yeah. There you go. Wrapping up with the best shortstop in the game. It's the Mets' Francisco Lindor, seven-win player this past year, 270, slug 450, 26 homers, 107 driven in, 16 bags, 8.5% walk rate, K rate under 20%, a 127 WRC+, plus, 13 outs above average. He is a perennial gold glove candidate. He will always be an MVP dark horse when you look at books at the beginning of the year. Francisco Lindor finally did what he was asked to do with that massive contract. And I say finally because it was like year two, but I, I think 2021 was underwhelming for a lot of Mets fans and for a lot of baseball fans who were thinking, oh, you go to big market, you're going to be crazy. Guess what? He was finally fucking crazy in 2022, and he's probably going to do it again for the next five years. The only thing I really want to talk about Lindor with is – people who don't think he's the best first or shortstop in baseball and people who think Correa is better because I've seen a lot of that on the internet and I just don't really understand it. I almost think this is easy. Like Lindor is the best shortstop in baseball. He is great at everything. He's the best defender at the position. So Correa's calling card and he might be the second best defender in baseball at the position. Lindor is number one. Yeah. Lindor has more power than Carlos Correa does. And it's reflected in the home run totals. Like game power, Correa might have more raw power, but game power, Lindor has more of it. Lindor is probably the better bat to ball guy. Lindor has better plate discipline, or at least it's really, really close. Like when we're looking at just straight up walk rates, they're both at between the eight to 10%. Yeah. Um, I think Lindor is better on the base paths, and that's reflected in 16 stolen bases versus Correa's zero last year. Yeah. Lindor had a down 2021, but you guys talked about in the second base episode, which I thought was beautiful how you broke it down, so I'm not going to spend much time on it. But the Mets had problems in the clubhouse and with their hitting philosophy, and that ruined a lot of guys' 2021s. And that was also Lindor's first year after a $341 million contract. Then he got settled in, put up the best season from a shortstop like he has basically every year he's been in the league, and he's going to continue to do so at 29 years old. I don't even think it's really a discussion. Francisco Lindor is the best shortstop in Major League Baseball. Boom. Boom, boom, boom. Nothing to add to that. Lindor was a very easy number one, and Ryan Finkelstein already had it on the dock uh, when we did record As he the should. pod. And Mets all five it. of us agreed. All five of us 
Lindor is the best shortstop in Major League Baseball. There was no question at the end of last year. There's no question going into this year. So real quick, just to run through it again, our three honorable mentions, Jeremy Pena, Tim Anderson, Bobby Wood Jr. Tommy Edmond was 10, Wander Franco 9, Willie Adamas 8, Dansby Swanson 7, Bo Bichette 6, Corey Seager 5, Carlos Correa 4, Xander Bogarts 3, Trey Turner 2, and Francisco Lindor is the best shortstop in Major League Baseball. Every link you need is in the show notes. Yep. Peter, I'll save you the breath. You and Aram will be back tomorrow uh, to do what? Top 10 infields? Yeah, top 10 double play combinations. Double and play. one more thing, again, if you want to support Just Baseball, get yourself some merch. If you could rate us five stars on Apple Pods and Spotify. But one thing, too, is we're talking about players. I will be coming out with a lot of preseason bets. And yes. a lot of people are getting really excited. And all of these player props are going to be available on prize picks. The yes. link is in the episode description. Use code Just Baseball on prize picks. And whatever you deposit, they match it. You put in 50, you get 50. You put in 100, you get 100 bucks. If you could use free money and we're doing so much research and transparently it helps us out yeah. too. make sure to use the code just baseball. When you download prize picks, even if you're not a better, it could be fun to sweat out our season long. You put in 10 bucks, you yep. get 10 bucks. You put that free 10 on the season long and you just root it out with us. It's a really fun thing and it helps us out in the episode description. Use code just baseball on prize picks. And with that, Thank you, everybody.